0: So welcome and uh, welcome to those of you who are joining us online. We're glad you've come to be with us this morning in worship at Bethany United Methodist Church. We are in this uh, series on Come and See and and playing with uh, the video series, The Chosen, as we move through this. And this week we're, we're kind of playing with episode three. I, got, I kept saying two last night and got corrected on that. So it's, it's episode three, which has to do with Jesus and the children. And I need, I need to kind of give a little disclaimer at the front of this. This is a uh, this is really this episode really is is uh, fiction. It it's, comes out of the imagination of the writers. Uh, it's tied to scripture, but it's not in scripture necessarily, uh, in, in a direct way. Uh, scripture is as I keep trying to remind folks is written very uh, sparingly. Uh, you know, you have to kind of get your mind in a different place. You know, we're so used to our, our computers, word processors. All those kinds of things. You know, this, is, this is in a day and age when you know, they didn't have the computer. There was no backspace key. Uh, there was no whiteout. You know, I mean, this is you know, when you did it, it was done. And, and, and they wrote the, the scriptures out on these long scrolls. And, and if you did this, you, you did it by hand, lettering it by hand. And if you made a mistake, because this is the Word of God, if you made a mistake, the scroll had to be burned. Even if you were toward the end, the scroll had to be burned and you start it over. So obviously, in this kind of a labor-intensive uh, environment, you're going to be using words as sparingly as possible. So when we read Scripture, we're getting just kind of the bare bones of the story. And, and there's a lot more around that that happens. Uh, I, I use, a lot of times with confirmation, I use the story of Peter's confession. And uh, in, Peter's, in, in that story, Jesus asks the disciples, okay, so who do people say so that I am? And, and like most of us, when they're not really sure what the answer is, they go big, right? Oh, you're like Elijah or Jeremiah, you know, one of the prophets. And, uh, and he says, well, that's great. Uh, so who do you say I am? Now, Scripture doesn't record it, but I'm pretty convinced at that moment there was this awkward silence for a little while while they were all kind of looking at each other, who's going to talk first? And of course, it's Peter that talks first because it's always Peter that talks first. Uh, and, and, and jumps out there and, you know, you're, you're the Messiah. But, but, you know, none of that kind of additional detail is actually recorded in the Scripture. And so the, the episode this week really is, uh, I think, kind of written to give us some of that backstory or filling in of other passages of Scripture that we read um, in the Bible. So uh, you kind of have to uh, allow your imagination to, to go with this a bit this week. I mean, when the the episode opens, one of the interesting things is you have Jesus in this time of prayer. He's camping out, so to speak. He's got a little area outside on the edge of the town of Capernaum, and that's where he's staying. He's outside praying in the night. I mean, we know in Scripture, we're told he prayed on a regular basis. He started every morning with prayer. There's frequent times when he goes somewhere to prayer. We know he, he prays intensely in the Garden of Gethsemane. So we know that, and, and what they're doing here is just kind of giving us a picture of that, a, a mental image to go with that, of, of him in prayer, of praying with, with his father in the middle of the night, you know, saying, you know, what, what's next? You know, what do I do next? Well, show me what, what do I need to do? What do I need to say? And he's having this kind of wrestling, kind uh, of intense prayer. And, and I, you know, I, I really connected with the, the scene because in my own life, uh, we do a lot of praying, you know, publicly and praying in groups and Uh, those kind of things. I mean, we're always involved in those places. But, uh, you know, for me, my really most intense times of prayer are usually about 2 or 3 in the morning. Anybody do this? You know, you've got something that's going on in your life and you're you're wrestling with it and you're struggling with it and you go to bed and you just can't go to sleep. And so about 2 or 3 in the morning, you finally give up, right? And you just get up and you, you're just praying, okay, God, I just, I, I'm not getting it. I need your help, God. Please, you know, make this clear to me. Show me what I need to know. Uh, say what I need to hear. I mean, I, you know, I mean I'm, I'm here. I need you to speak into my life right now. So you have those kind of wrestling. And for me, those are very intense times of prayer and also some of the most uh, productive times of prayer, some of the richest times of prayer. So we have this, this image of Jesus praying uh, to go with those places where we, we hear about that. The other part of the episode then has to do with his relationship with children. And as he's uh, camped out there on the edge of town, there's a young girl from the, the village of Capernaum named Abigail that comes out. And, and she encounters his encampment and kind of meets him finally. And, and then she comes back later with a friend of hers named Joshua and, 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 and introduces him. And, and they start to kind of develop this relationship. Now, the, the scripture passages that go with it come out of the Gospels, uh, but, but this is kind of an a, a episode that fleshes that out and gives it some, um, some, some flesh and meat and bones and shape to it as we go forward with it. So, so I just invite you to enter into this uh, in that spirit with me as we move forward. Let's pray. Father, we come on this gray day. We ask you to shine your light in the midst of our hearts and our spirits and our minds. Uh, let the words of my mouth and meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Now there's two uh, areas, one in Matthew and one in Luke I want to read you some scripture from. Uh, from Matthew there's some, a couple of stories about the children. Uh, in the 18th chapter, you know, at that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now please, 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 please tell me you'll never ask that question. it's the wrong question. But nonetheless, you know, I mean, they're still figuring it out at this point. Give them some break. Give them a break. Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And then in the 19th chapter, he he kind of reiterates, uh, then people brought the little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. And Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Now there's a parallel passage in Luke's gospel, uh, which says people were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Now, you know, in this day and age in the Middle East, you know, the children are... are, are appreciated and loved but it's a little different than what we're used to uh, in cultures where there's no social security no 401k no iras none of that kind of stuff you know what's your retirement plan it's your children this is your retirement plan you're, you're relying on them to support you when you become older And so it's important, they're they're important in their value, but in those same cultures a lot of times uh, there's also a fairly high rate of childhood mortality. Um, The first time we flew into uh, western Kenya, it it, it really struck me that that the parents didn't really connect with the little kids until they were like four or five years old. And, And as I was kind of you know, talking with that and wrestling with it, you know what I realized is that between the age, you know, of, of birth and five years old, you know, there's a, a 20, 25 percent mortality rate when we come in, when we arrived, which meant you know one out of four of those kids or one out of five of those kids was not going to make it. So the parents would not develop that kind of attachment to the child until it had gotten through that age period, and then they would begin to invest in those children. But prior to that, they were important, but not related to in the same way we do here, which is, I imagine, somewhat similar to what was going on in the Middle East. The parents would have children and would have them for the purpose of providing for themselves in the future and supporting the family, and yet they sometimes were treated when they were young especially kind of like property, and so when when the Messiah, when the when the master, the rabbi comes to your town and he's and he's teaching, you know, you you want the the, the most important people to be there. You want the, the leaders to be there, not not these children. And so the disciples, when people, the children would come, the disciples would say, No, 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 no. The master needs to speak to the the, the leaders of the community. You guys, y'all, y'all, as we used to say, y'all go outside and play, right? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Don't don't stop them. Let them come. Because the kingdom of heaven belongs to these children. And unless you become like one of them, you won't enter into the kingdom of heaven. And we need to hear the, the radical nature of that teaching. That there's a value that he's placing on those children that the rest of the culture didn't necessarily have. And so the, the rest of this episode is trying to help us kind of see that and understand that and get a hold of that. Uh, it begins, uh, Abigail and, and her friends, she's been out there, she's brought her friend Joshua out there. So she, next day she brings a group of friends out to meet Jesus, and his morning begins like this.
1: Just leave him alone. Is he? Couldn't have waited half an hour, eh? Can we be around today? Uh, these are my other friends. Uh, Joshua friends. And Joshua again. Shalom biggest friends. And Joshua Shalom. again. Shalom. Can we be around today? I suppose. But I have some work to do. You might have to help.
0: Good. <laughs> So he's going to make space for these kids in a, in a culture that often didn't. Now now when they talk about work, uh, the, the word for Jesus that's used in Scripture is tekton. And I've got to apologize to some of the earlier people because i got a, a similar word mixed up with this. There's another word, one letter difference that is teknon, which means small child. But what Jesus is is a tekton. And uh, it's interesting that it was in this episode that I got them mixed up. Uh, Maybe God's telling us something. I don't know. But tecton, this is the root from which we get the word technical technician. Uh, It's a craftsman. Uh, We we use the word carpenter, but that really is not quite capturing. Jesus is a craftsman. He would have worked in wood, but he might have also worked in stone. And his work would have been uh, more detailed than what a lot of craftsmen would have done uh, he would have been more like what we think of somebody that builds furniture or cabinets you know somebody with a, a higher level of skill so this is who he is and he he invites these children then to be part of his work to be part of this with him which uh, you would not have done with any but your own children with your own technon uh, and so uh, he, he's inviting them into this and as they are uh, with him uh, and he's doing this he's He's taking advantage of their presence to do some teaching with them and also to know, uh, uh, find out what it is that they know. Uh, So he invites them uh, to kind of have this exchange with him about matters of faith and understanding. So tell me do you all know how to pray the Shema?
1: Yes. Oh I would love to hear it. You lead us. Here is Israel. The Lord is our God. The Lord You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might. And it shall come to pass, if you surely listen,
0: that he's obviously he's moved, by, he's moved by the children's recitation of the Shema. You know, sometimes we forget how important it is to have those words built into us. When I was uh, young and my grandmother would try to get me to memorize Bible verses, I would say, you know, why, why do I need to memorize it, Gran? I mean, it's printed right here in the Bible. And my grandmother would say, the only Bible you always have with you is the one that's in your heart and in your head. And here are these children reciting these words of, of, of command from God, the Shema. And you see how Jesus is moved. Jesus is moved by their being able to do that. And, and it reflects back this, this idea of, of God's love for His children that we've already heard some out of Isaiah 43. This is what the Lord says, He who created you, Jacob, who formed you, Israel... Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, the flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. Since you are precious and honored in my sight and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. You hear how much God loves and treasures his people and how much he's willing to to give to sacrifice for his people, even sacrificing himself for his people. You know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. I mean, this, this love that's being poured out, and in this case, this love that's being poured out on these children and is being returned back to him from the children. And as they talk, they're, they're learning, and he's teaching them things and, and teaching them lessons uh, and coming to emphasize the importance of their faith.
1: So what did you do? I tried to walk away, but he wouldn't stop pushing me. So I pushed him so hard, he fell down. And that's why you were punished. Did you expect something different? But even Torah says eye for eye. Why should I be punished too? Yes, but that is for a judge. You are hardly in a court of law. And you, all of you, are to be special. You are to act differently than others. You tell us to be gentle, but... Rabbi Josiah said Messiah would lead us against the Romans, that he would be a great military leader. It is important to respect your teachers and honor your parents. And Rabbi Josiah is a smart man, but many times smart men lack wisdom. Is there anything in scripture that says Messiah will be a great military leader? There are many things about Scripture that you cannot understand yet. Then that is okay. That is fine. You have many years ahead of you.
0: That word of understanding. There's things you're not going to understand and you have years ahead of us. Sometimes we, when we don't understand, we just kind of throw it out. And He's not telling them to do that. He's telling them it will take you time to understand it. And I love the fact that he points them back to Scripture about what does the Messiah mean? Because just like any other generation, sometimes we get mistaken ideas and we need to go back to the Word to reground ourselves and find the truth. But the phrase in that that really jumped out on me was that you can be smart and you can have knowledge but lack wisdom. How true is that right now? I mean, we have all kinds of information available to us, all kinds of information you can go online and find everything you want. Now, granted, some of it's bum information, but, but you can also pull down papers from Mayo or from Harvard. You can find all the information you want. It's all out there. It's all around us. It's all coming at us all the time. But wisdom, wisdom is knowing what to do with that information. And a lot of times, that's what we're lacking In the early 20th century, the mainline churches and theologians developed what they called the social gospel. And the idea was, you know, we know enough now, we've learned enough, we know enough about technology that we can fix the problems of the world. Nobody needs to be hungry, nobody needs to get hurt, nobody needs to be blighted. I mean, we we can fix this and we can make the world heaven on earth and, and God will be happy that we do this. Now, do you hear the language? It's not God doing it, it's, it's us. We have the knowledge, we know how to do this. And the social gospel ran headlong into the horrors of World War II. And when the camps were liberated and they began to show us the, the reality and the extent of the Holocaust. And we began to see the results from dropping the atomic bombs. You know, we, we realize that you know, our knowledge our knowledge could be used for genocide. Our knowledge can be used to kill millions. You can have knowledge and lack wisdom. Because wisdom comes from God. And so often, even now, we have lots of knowledge. We just don't know what to do with it. You know, we adults, You know, we, we like to be smart, don't we? We like to be educated, we like to be sophisticated, we like to know, we like to be experts. But to what purpose? And without wisdom, without God's wisdom, all of our knowledge can simply become weapons to harm each other. So he points out, he's a smart man. There's lots of smart people. But you can be smart and lack wisdom. And then he goes on and teaches them about faith and their importance to hold to it and, and the reason that he's in the midst of them.
1: I'm telling you this because even though you are children and the elders in your life have lived longer, many times. Adults need the faith of children. And if you hold on to this faith really tightly, someday soon, you will understand all of what I am saying to you. But you ask an important question, Abigail. What is my reason for being here? And the answer is for all of you. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor.
0: So as he speaks to them and the purpose, he is quoting the first part of Isaiah 61. And there's an interesting contrast that, that the writers are drawing here. In the Bible, Jesus goes to the synagogue in Nazareth where he grows up. And they invite him to read. And he takes the scroll of Isaiah and he reads these words. And the response of the people in the synagogue is to become angry and try to throw him off a cliff. To the children in this episode, he says, "This is my purpose." And he says those exact same words, and they listen. Uh, because sometimes adults need the faith of little children, right? I mean the adults couldn't receive what he was bringing them, but the children could. Because they trusted not in their wisdom, but in his wisdom. So so do you do you receive God with the wisdom of a child? Do you embrace him with the wisdom of a child? Are you still trying to adult your way into heaven? I mean, do you ever wonder, does does God notice me? Does he even know I'm here? I mean, am I special enough or important enough that God would be aware of me and and think highly of what I'm doing? Am I trying to prove myself to God by how much I know or, or what I can do or how much I've accomplished? Am I willing to just stop doing and for a while enjoy being God's child and all that kind of ultimately comes down to the real bedrock question which is does Jesus really love me really so at the end of the the show our little friend Abigail comes back and and Jesus has departed Now, earlier in the show, when he's explaining to her what he does and he's showing her some of the handwork that he's done, the things that he's crafted, she comments and she says, oh, we can never afford these. My family is very poor. And his comment back is something along the line of, you know, there are things more important in life than money. You'll learn this. So at the end, she comes back to where he has been and he's left a gift for her.
1: Abigail, I know you can read. You are very special. This is for you. I did not come only for the wealthy.
0: He leaves a gift, not because she's adult, not because she's exceptional, not because she's wealthy, but because he loves her, because she is a child of God. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, for children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. And see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that's what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. All who have this hope in Him purify themselves." Just as he is pure. Does Jesus really love me? And do we receive that with the faith of children or of adults? A number of years ago, I I, I had an experience and it gave me an image that I've carried in my mind for a long time about what it means to to receive God like a child of God. Uh, We were uh, at Mount Wesley in the large worship building there, the auditorium kind of space. And we were having a conference-wide Emmaus gathering. Uh, so, uh, you know, the place was, was full. You know, I don't know, four or 500 people were packed into this place. And, and as sometimes happens at Emmaus gatherings, they were rather colorfully dressed. Am I saying that nicely? You know, they're all wearing outlandish stuff. Some of them have on clown wigs. They have all this stuff hanging on them. They're all hugging on each other and yelling. It's very loud. And And, and a group of musicians from the hill country are, have come to, to lead music. So we have up in the front, we have several guitars. We have a stand-up bass. We have a banjo. We have some on fiddle. And, and we are having a good time. We are singing all those other old southern and, and gospel songs, you know, Mountain Railway and I'll Fly Away and all this. We are having a hand clapping foot-stomping, rowdy, raucous, great time praising God. And I'm standing in front because I'm leading the worship in this. And, and as these people are all out there, and it's just louder than blue blazes in there. I mean, you can hardly hear yourself think. As, as we're all standing there, the back door opens, and one of the young ranchers from my church in Lano walks in. And he's carrying his son, who I think was around 9 months old, maybe 12 months old at that point. He's carrying him as he walks in. And this little boy looks around the room with all the noise and all the clapping and all the people dressed in these crazy outfits. He looks around the room and his eyes get really big. And you can tell he's terrified and he's thinking his dad is walking into a room full of crazy people. Right? And I'm waiting for him to start screaming (laughs) in fear. And instead, as I watch him, his little arm snakes up around his daddy's neck and pulls him in tight. And his dad pulls him in tight. And they walk in and sit down. And for me, that image has just stuck with me. The world's crazy. It's loud. It's chaotic. People are doing crazy things. Sometimes there's so much noise coming at us, we can't hear ourselves sink. And in the midst of this, this is what God says. If you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, just hold on to me tight. Hold on to me tight. And I will carry you there. In 1962, the great theologian Karl Barth was traveling Across the U.S., lecturing, traveling all over different universities, making lectures. At the University of Chicago, doing a lecture, and uh, in the chapel there. And at the end of it, uh, there was a question and answer session with him. And one of the students said, "Dr. Bart, can you summarize your theology for me in one sentence?" And he said, "Yes, I think I can." In the words of a song I learned at my mother's knee Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Only those enter the kingdom of heaven who come with the faith of little children. Hold on to your heavenly Father for all your worth. And let him carry you into the kingdom. Let's pray. Mighty God, we thank you for the love that you pour out on us. That you don't look at us for our, our value in the eyes of other people. That you don't look at us because of our great education or our position or privilege. That you don't look at us because of the wealth we have. But that you look at us and you see us as your children. And in the midst of the craziness of the world we live in, you pick us up and you hold us and love us. And you carry us into the heart of the kingdom. So hear us said we give you thanks in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.